Welcome to the Owner's Box. Now, here's Billy Koch and Michelle Yu. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Owner's Box. I'm Billy Koch, founder and managing partner of Little Red Feather Racing Club. Joining me, as always, is the so much fun Michelle Yu. I mean, Michelle, how much fun did we have at Pimlico? We had such a good time at Pimlico. <laughs> it was super cool it was so much fun and um a lot of it goes to you and, and zoe and what about the guest appearance at dinner of christina blacker right i'm gonna i'm gonna pat myself on the back for making that happen that was and so genius because awesome. you and i have both known co for a long time and i you know we knew her you know before she was with dan and before she had kids and she's such a good person i just really like her well, and I think she's so professional. I don't think people realize how like down dirty fun Christina is. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that was a great dinner. It was a lot of fun. Uh, Larry Colmus, Bill Strauss, Travis, Gary. What a blast! What a blast! That might be a that might become a yearly tradition. Oh, that would be amazing. Because you know, the next night we did our yearly tradition dinner with Cal Ripken Jr. No. no. Yes. Like the re- like the baseball player with the blue eyes. Yes. Did you not see him with us for Beer Can Man? No, no, because I was working. Oh my goodness! Are you serious? On Saturday, I'm, I was working all of Saturday. I'm gonna send you a picture right now to look at. <laughs> look at your. Look I at your text. I see the three dots, the ellipses. The ellipses, they're coming. It says it's coming. Well, so not coming yet. We're gonna have some fun today because. First of all, we're going to do three things of note, and we'll get to that in a second. We're going to do like 10 things of note. Right. And then we're going to do something special uh, because Michelle, uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Little Red Feather had one of the greatest like weekends in horse racing history. Basically, you guys were owner of the week, and <laughs> I think that we would be remiss to not have a Little Red Feather um partner on basically to talk about the weekend that you guys had and your partner wasn't able to come on he has some conflicting stuff going on so i think that we should just talk to you yeah so michelle is going to interview me so this is going to be like a real interview like i am a guest i'm going to step aside and not interview myself which would be weird um, so oh, I'm let- going to kind of like, look, I want to kind of roll our three things of note into like a Billy's soapbox and then just kind of into like a, a weekend recap. For All right. No, we can, we can absolutely do that. So why okay. don't, I'm going to just kind of turn the show over to you. You run it the way you want to run it and I'll be a passenger and okay. chime in with some incredible stories and go from there. I like it. So mm. first thing I do want to do is welcome in a new sponsor <laughs> to the box. And that is going to be Woodbine. We're thrilled to continue a partnership with Woodbine for the 2023 season. Has great racing north of the border. And there's graded stakes action all summer, highlighted by the Kings Play in August and the Grade 1 Woodbine Mile in September. Don't miss out on the action. And for more information, head over to woodbine.com. That was nice. Thank you, Woodbine. Housekeeping out of the way. Yeah. Um, okay, so three things of note that we're going to kind of expand upon because for once... I feel like there are more than three crazy things to talk about. All right. So where do you, you want to start? First thing is certainly 
Preakness, right? It was yes. Preakness this last weekend. It was a huge two days in Maryland. And the Preakness did not go to our Kentucky Derby winner, Mage. It instead went to National Treasure, trained by Bob Baffert, who returned to the Triple Crown for the first time in a couple of years. Overall takeaway from the Preakness exclusively, Billy. Well, I think you know where, where you and I stood prior to the race. We thought National Treasure would make the lead, and we thought he'd win. And, you know, every once in a while, uh, we're right, which is strange. As wrong as I was in the Derby was as right as we were in the Preakness. National Treasure races for the Avengers, the big conglomerate of uh, SF Bloodstock, uh, Saul Cumans, Madigan Stables, Starlight Stables, and many, many, many others. But um, congratulations. And Johnny V., our Hall of Famer John Velasquez with his first Preakness. I would have never guessed that. Oh, you didn't know that? No. It's like one of the few races he hadn't <clears throat> won. Actually, I was in the express bent, um, like VIP tent to watch the actual race. Zoe and I literally ran to get there so we could see it. And his wife and his father-in-law and his kids were in there. Amazing. And, like, you would have thought that they just hit the lotto for, like, $20 billion with the reaction. They were so pumped. That's exciting. That's good people. Leona is a a terrific person. And, obviously, Johnny V is a class act. And kudos to them. Kudos to to Mr. Baffert for... Uh, spoiling another triple crown and and winning the Preakness again. Uh, and His record eighth time, by the way. Eighth time is insane. But listen, do do we? I I don't think you and I will sit here and say that National Treasure is much better than, let's say, uh, the horse that ran second, Blazing Sevens, or the Kentucky Derby winner, Mage, or even a horse like Angel Empire, Angel of Empire, or Two Fills. Pace makes the race, and he mm-hmm. was able to get out there and cruise and 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 listen. Don't take anything away from him. I'm not. No, I, because I he battled down the stretch. Right, he battled hard, and it I was didn't. Like I, you I, opened what? up ten and no one sniffed. Exactly, right? exactly. Give him, give him all the credit in the world. But I think this crop of three year olds is very kind of close together, if that makes sense. And of course, we haven't seen Forte, who was the Derby favorite, who now I'm reading may run in the Belmont. Belmont. Um, mm-hmm. So there's a, there's still there's still it's good. It, it's going to take a while to shake out this group. How's that? I agree. It's yeah. a it's an interesting crop this year, right? Yeah. But- um, so that was a really great kind of segue into the Belmont Stakes because it has been announced that Tom Durkin is going to be coming out of retirement in order to call the Belmont Stakes for Fox. Do you want to give your favorite Tom Durkin call? Do re mi fa so la ti or maybe ar. We're not supposed to laugh this much on this podcast. I have. What's your favorite call? Well, I'm going to talk about. I'll, I'll give you my favorite Tom Durkin call because it's the greatest Little Red Feather call. And since we are talking about Little Red Feather today, it was Singletary with a blitz to lead. That you know that Breeders' Cup win in 2004, which really put us on the map. That is still remains you know uh, one of the greatest calls in history. Uh, I also like uh, uh, Ferdinand. Concern. What's that? Did he do the one that was, uh, here's a cause for concern? No, that was okay. That was old, right? That was good. I like, like, um, there's two that stand out for me. Uh, And I'm sure there's many, many more because I'm a huge Tom Durkin fan. But um, uh, 
Ali, uh, Ali Sheba, Ferdinand, the two Derby winners, hit oh, the yeah. wire together. Oh, what about Tis now wins it for America? <laughs> yeah. Is that, that was him, right? That was him. That was him. Of course, all the classics. Then the other one was. And uh, Rosie runs right by. No, him. that yeah, that was okay. I like. Sunday silence, easy goer, one final acceleration, oh, oh, Sunday oh, silence. Freaking chills right now. Yeah. That was... You know why? Because I used to read the Reader's Digest and they did like a three month like series about Seattle Slough or uh, easy goer and Sunday silence. Right. And literally they like stuck the like excerpt of the race call in there. And the last line of the whole thing was, and for one final, sightful time, Sunday Silence beat him. Yep. That's so good. I got the chills right now, too. So welcome back, my man, Tom. We should have him on the show. We'll just bring him on. Oh, sure. Yeah, we'll bring him on. Let's try He's to get him. He owns horses now. Yeah, let's, let's try to get him next week. That would be a lot of All fun. Right. That'd be fun. All right. All right. Um, Keep going. Okay. Also, just wanted to mention, you know, because we're always talking about owners getting in the game, uh, we had a big sale this last weekend the yep. basic tipton mid-atlantic uh or we call it the timonium sale and it was right up there right after um preakness and it was held just outside of baltimore um the sales topper was a million dollar philly by arrogate that carrie radcliffe signed for what were your thoughts overall on the sale uh i'm gonna i'm gonna be honest um thought it was uh i thought it was a little bit top heavy with kind of a few, a select few very, very good horses. I didn't think it was a big middle market sale, mm -hmm. um, which sometimes, you know, for buyers like us in that middle range, I, I didn't yeah. think it was a, a real good sale for us. Uh, but, you know, Boyd and his crew at, at FASIC do a great job every year. And I I have to tell you, Michelle, I go to that sale every year right after Baltimore. I mean, right after uh, Preakness. The facility there is so great. Mm -hmm. It's it's like this little sales ring, which is really cool, and everyone stands around the edges, and there's a real good vibe there. And even the barns, they're kind of, I don't know, it's special, it's different. And and I do really like the vibe at Timonium. Uh, we didn't get anything done. We sold a bunch through our sister company, Solana Beach Sales, with our pin hooking. We sold a nice uh, Vino Rosso Philly uh, for three seventy five, I believe. So. It was a, I think it was a good sale. I wouldn't call it a great sale. Okay, fair enough. Um, continuing on of our multiple things of note. What, what is Spencer it, doing right now? I have no idea. If I ask him, then he'll just come in here. So I'm just <laughs> trying to ignore him. Okay. Um, so we all know that Safi Joseph was banned from Churchill Downs. He was also... Um, not, I don't want to say banned by Naira, but they came to an agreement with Naira that he would not ship any horses to run in New York while they were investigating his horses um, from Derby Weekend. Now, his license is still good and everything. This has been kind of a conversation that they've had. Um, and because of that, he does have horses that were pointing to New York races. And two of those horses have now been transferred to the barn of Rick Dutrow who we know was suspended for 10 years, recently came back, won with his first starter back. And um, What's up, babe? Sa Sa I know, what's up, babe? So, and Safi said pretty much that these horses have been training for these races and it stinks for the horse to 
not be able to run. So this is the best thing for them. And that's what matters the most. Um, I can tell how Spencer feels about this. Obviously, Rick Dutrow's back, and he's going to be back in a big way. And if you if you haven't heard of Rick Dutrow, look look up some of his you accolades. Uh, he is an amazing horse trainer. Um, a lot of people feel like he got a pretty raw deal. Uh, and I'll go out there. I think he got a raw deal. Yes, I, I believe so. I'll put so. it out there I, that I, I'm, I, I'm one of those people. Yeah, I'm a Rick Dutrow believer and fan. <laughs> and uh, listen... Um, I don't know what's happening with Safi. I can't even comment on it. I don't. I don't know the inner workings of of what the heck's going on. But obviously, um, kudos to him for doing the right thing and giving his owners a chance. I'm sorry, Michelle. I am so flemmy. So when you hear me <clears throat> like do that, oh, that's all right. I apologize <clears throat> to no our listeners as well. Um. Okay. So the last thing that I want to talk about as like one of our things of note here is that there is a new. I don't even know what to call it. Racing league. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I was gonna say a new thing in town, but like I don't know <laughs> what the thing would be. Right. Yes. So, can you basically it? Uh, a, a a group of people? Hold on, I'm gonna yell at my kids. Yeah, yell. Okay, Michelle's gonna yell at her kids, and I'm gonna tell you that Tom Lute, uh, who's been in the industry for a long, long time, has set up this what's looking like some kind of league. Where several uh, were owners, I guess they're going to go buy up 36 horses, they said. They will divide them. They'll have a draft among six teams. And what I read today uh, on Twitter from Ray Pollock, I believe. So, so basically that they're saying that one of the things that keeps people from being fans of racing is that it, it, you need to have like a league concept like we do with the NFL and the, you know, Major League Baseball and, and everything else. So they think that if you pit league type horses against each other, that it will be a benefit because then you're going to create stars, team affinity right. and, and stuff like that. And this right? may be televised is what I was going to say. It's like I think the people maybe who did the F1 series are involved. I'm not 100% sure. I just read that today. Um, and <clears throat> you want my thoughts or you want to start? Well, let me, let me just read this real quick. So it will begin with a series of five events <clears throat> that they're going to call Cups. And I'm reading this directly from the Blood Horse. Okay. They will feature three races run consecutively. Each of the six teams will have two horses in each race that may be worth a set number of points. While the league will offer purses, the goal is for each team to accumulate the most points to claim a million-dollar bonus at the end of the season. During each cup, one of the three races will be worth more points than the other. Listen, I don't know if this is going to work. It's crazy. I don't know... um, if how true it is to the sport i don't know which tracks they're going are going to allow these horses to run at oh they do have the list of tracks okay but but let me let me finish let me finish but here's the thing i do like at least someone's trying to do something whether it's a good idea or a bad idea whether it works whether it doesn't work our game needs a shot in the arm and this could maybe this could be it I don't know. I'm, I don't have a crystal ball. I can't tell you if people are actually going to be enthusiastic, if the owners are going to be enthusiastic, if it just takes off on social media and goes viral. I don't know. But at least it's an idea. That's how I feel. That's fair. It is certainly an idea. 
I, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's an idea and I'm not going to, I'm not going to hate on them for having one. I just don't see how this is going to be successful for building a lot of momentum, especially when like, okay, there's six races and I, 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 listen, I, I, again, I don't either. I think it's going to take some tweaking. I think it's going to, I think, like I said, it, it, this, this very possibly could be a, a horrific idea and it's never going to work. Okay. That's easy. I wonder that's, the trainers are going to be. But that's easy to say. I think in our game, especially right now where we are, we are at a precipice of, of horse racing, especially out here in Southern California. Um, and, and at least, like I said, someone is trying mm-hmm. something. And I think well, that's important. I think it's very, like, when you just think about it, right? Okay, they're going to draft horses. They're going to have, like, 36 horses. Well, of those 36 horses, there's only going to be these six races, and you have to run two horses in each race. What happens if you don't have the right horse for that? You're going to run them in there anyways? I guess. You know what? Here's what we'll do. Right after Tom Durkin, we'll get on Tom Lute. We'll bring on Tom Lute, and we'll talk about it. All right. Fair enough? Sounds good to me. Okay. There you go like it okay so that's all my notesy stuff so right. now i'm gonna bring in my guest for today the founder and managing partner of little red feather racing club mr billy koch i'm a show had i mean probably one of the <laughs> best weekends for anybody but for sure for a partnership group i mean it was coast to coast stakes action and it was like record-breaking performances how do you even get up the next day after that and like think i have to go back to like other kinds of racing now honestly um it was amazing and really first of all let me credit all the little red feather partners because truthfully and we say this all the time without them there is no little red family uh there's no little red feather and it, it they are really the 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 driving force but uh, uh, of everything that we do um, without them, we're just, we're there. There's nothing. So thank you to all the partners, uh, who, who allow us to go out and find these horses and buy these horses and syndicate these horses and, and ultimately run these horses. Um, it was an amazing weekend. I want to thank all the, the trainers and we'll get into specifics, but Phil D'Amato won, th- just so everybody knows, we won four straight stakes races. Uh, all none of them were graded. They were all a hundred thousand, but it's still four for four, four straight stakes races. Uh, Phil D'Amato trained three. Graham Motion trained one. Uh, Flavian Pratt rode two. We'll talk more about him. Uh, JJ Hernandez rode one, and Ramon Vasquez. So thank you to all the people, all the people at the barns who helped these trainers. I, Michelle, you and I talk all the time about what goes on behind the scenes, and it was interesting on on um, Preakness Day. Because anytime you have a big day like that with, you know, Bruno Mars is there and all these people are there and you don't, there are so many people there that have no clue what goes on behind the scenes. I mean, I see you on social media breaking your horses and, you know, getting them ready and then the grooms and then the hot walkers and the, the, the people in the office. I mean, there, it, is, it, it really is a Herculean effort to just get a horse to a race. And you and I talk on the show about how hard it is we talk every every episode we say how hard this this game is and so to have the success that we had this weekend it's mind-blowing it's like i don't i don't even know how to really talk about it except take it maybe race by race and and just kind of go through it because it was it's it it was amazing so going into the weekend if i had asked you 
when we sat down on Friday, who would have been your best bet to win if you were only picking one? <clears throat> That's funny you said that because I had this conversation with someone today. A lot of times when we have a lot of horses running, we make over-unders. So, for okay. example, there were four horses running this weekend, and I would have made the over-under one and a half. So that means to get two wins, you win. If you get one win, you lose. Because I felt that Nagarok was a real standout in that race. Uh, he yeah. had, he had he had come off a great effort in his first start as a three year old at Keeneland, running second in the Transylvania. And the horses that ran behind him that day, uh, Webslinger ran third and came back and won the five hundred thousand dollar American Turf on Derby Day. Mm -hmm. uh, we chose to skip that race intentionally. We thought it was coming up really tough. And we wanted to give Nagarok a couple of extra weeks after that first effort. And Graham Motion, to his credit, he tried blinkers on him, too, because in that race, it looked like Nagarok maybe kind of didn't want to pass the front runner, um, Mo Stash, who actually ran yes, another good. That's why I put him in second. I mean, I used him in my exacta, but like in my top picks, I put him in second. I'm thinking he, it's like he doesn't ever want to like move by at the end. Yeah, I think I think there's a chance that uh, Nagarok, who's by Lee, might be a little distance limited. Uh, mm -hmm. Might keep him at that, those mile distances now, um, but he showed just how just a, how high quality he was. And let me tell you something: the ride track by setting performance, the ride, yeah, track record setting performance. The ride by Flavian Pratt was genius because he broke from the nine hole, and there's a speed duel going into the first turn. And he has tactical speed. Well, Pratt just literally just tucked him in behind those four horses, saved mm -hmm. all the ground around the first turn. Put him right in the garden spot where you want to be on the turf is that like in in uh, inside covered up, you know, and, and they were going pretty quick, but he was a couple lengths back and he just I thought the second he made that move, I was like, we can't lose this race. Um, and then he drew away at the end. He's yeah, so impressive. Really impressive. Um, really impressive. And our partners in that horse are Madikit with uh, Saul Cuman, obviously, who was there, and our good friend Bill Strauss. So that makes it even better. We had a great time, and uh, he looks like he'll come back in the Manila Stakes. It's a grade three, 250,000 at Belmont, one mile. I think it's a one-turn mile at Belmont. Mm -hmm. Yes, and, it is. And uh, on July 7th, I believe the race is. So now I want to know, like, from your uh, partner standpoint, when you go to a big weekend like Preakness, how – how many partners are you allowed to like bring or how many show up? Like, do well, you have 700 there? <laughs> do you have four? No, we had actually, uh, uh, it was an unusually small showing. We had, uh, uh, two of our people came in. Um, and, uh, it was, it was, uh, uh yeah, you know, going to Pimlico is not the easiest place to, to go to. And, uh, but we would have taken care of anybody who wanted to come. They know that. And uh, but a smaller gathering. He's part of our, our East Coast fund uh, where we have uh, where we raised uh, a bunch of money last year. And he was one of the horses that we, we were lucky enough to get in on with Saul and, and John Panagot uh, gave us a call. And mm -hmm. he's done this horse has done nothing wrong. We love him. And he's a barn favorite. You can tell when we were in the paddock, uh, all of Graham's people were just, you know, flaunting all over him. And they just they just love the horse. There's a lot of love in that barn. I can tell you that. Oh, I love that. Yeah, yeah. So I think he was really pleased himself with himself, too. And again, kudos to Graham and, and his staff. You know, Graham said, I want to get this horse a confidence builder. And yeah. Michelle, you and I have talked about this over and over again, that a lot of times 
Getting a horse some confidence is all they need. If you continue to run your horse over their heads and they're constantly getting their heads bashed in. And they're and, trying hard and, and not getting And they're trying hard and not getting there. You and, just and, get dejected. Right. And, and I, think it's, I think it's really true. And sometimes that's hard to do. It's, we passed up a, a half a million dollar race that a horse we beat won in, to run in this $100,000 ungraded stake just to test out the blinkers, get them some confidence, and now we'll step back in against the big boys next time. Mm-hmm. Um, looking at Beer Can Man also, yeah. I mean, a ri- the, the drama that went on behind the scenes of Beer Can Man, and then he was all the way <laughs> on the outside. First of all, I want to know what the conversation was like when the slew of scratches came in and all of a sudden you're like, Holy shit! I have a great post now. Well, it's really funny, and I'll I I, I don't want to throw the uh, Pimlico Racing Office under the bus, but there were two very large mistakes made. Uh, the first was uh, the original draw was only t- twelve horses, and Beer Can Man drew eight of twelve, and he um, we were very delighted with that post, and apparently they printed the overnight, and it came out. It was online. We saw that we were number eight, and then they had a redraw because one of the horses that was supplemented didn't get in the body of the field for whatever reason. When they did the redraw, uh, we ended up on the also eligible list because they said we were the least preferred. When you have these stakes races, this is a good lesson for people. When a stakes race oversubscribes, there are preferences. So in this preferences, it, it was will like- say that in the conditions. In the conditions. And it says, uh, like this particular one, I'm just, I'm, I'm vamping here, but was like um, graded stake win in the last 12 months. Uh, graded stakes placed in the last 12 months. Stakes win in the last 12 months. And least preferred or something. Right, exactly. And one of the preferences was 2022 and 23 earnings, not non-claiming race earnings. And unfortunately, the Pimlico Racing Office missed one of the horses that had claiming earnings, and he should have been the least preferred, not us. So when they redrew the race, Beer Can Man wasn't even in the redraw. He never had a chance for a better post. So he was exiled to post 13 in a five furlong sprint, which is very difficult at any track. And uh, we were a little bummed out, I'm not going to lie to you, but... I credit to uh, uh, Aiden Butler. He did everything he could to try to, you know, maybe they'll run 13 or we got a response. There's going to be a scratch. Don't worry. Because we had to ship from Churchill Downs um, to, for the race. So we didn't even know if we were going to ship. And so we just decided, you know what, we're going to just go for it. And, of course, there's five scratches. And guess what number he breaks from? So eight. Eight. His original number. Yeah. So it was, it kind of all worked out. And when that happened that morning, I mean, we were ecstatic, but it still was a really strong field of sprinters. Um, this was no, you know, even though it was a hundred, only a hundred thousand, I say only a hundred thousand. Um, it was still a really strong group uh, of sprinters. And so I mentioned the Tom Durkin greatest call in, in, in LRF history. And I think I have to give my good friend, Larry credit, Larry Colmus, who we had had dinner with the night before credit for beer can man. At Del Mar, when Larry was calling the races the last time Beer Can Man run, ran, he gave a great call to Beer Can Man. He got his voice really low, and everyone commented on it. Well, when he saw Beer Can Man was going to win, he said, Here comes Beer Can Man! Like, it was awesome! So, uh, if you haven't seen it, go back and watch the replay. It's on NBCSports.com. Uh, and, then, and then he heard, he said, 
go celebrate boys <laughs> which was really cool and like we said our, our our friend Kyle Ripken was there with us Kyle Ripken Jr and uh I think I hit him on the back with my program about 13 times down the lane <laughs> and he actually said he goes who was hitting me and I was like I'm sorry that was me Kyle I apologize I got a little carried away but Again, great ride by Flavian Pratt and super training job by Phil D'Amato. Um, we knew he might have been a little short last time when we ran him off the long layoff at Keeneland. And Beer Can Man proved just how tough and game he is with that win. Um, so we talked about Nagarok. We talked about Beer Can Man. Yeah, there was one we more on Saturday. The conclude. Philly. Who, no, who else was on Saturday? No, we didn't talk about Conclude. Elm Drive. Elm Drive, that's who it was. I was like, I, was like, I know it wasn't there. Elm so, this Elm is, Drive. This is crazy. Elm, okay, so <laughs> if you guys don't know Elm Drive, she's been a dirt filly like forever. Yeah. And uh, Billy entered her in the grass, and it got rained off, and so of course she went to stake on this like rained <laughs> off turf field. Right. Uh, but they entered her back for the grass. I'm like, are you guys just like hoping for rain again? And Billy's like, no, we really think she can run on the grass. And well, damn, damn it, he wasn't right. <laughs> well, you know, uh, I always say even a blind squirrel finds a nut, Michelle. And this filly is like the love of our lives. Everybody in this partnership just loves this filly so much. And they were so mad at us last year. You know, um, three-year-old sprinting fillies, uh, there's not a lot of options in Southern California. So we ran third in the Great Lady M at Los Alamitos last year and really had nowhere to run. And she was in really good form. And we shipped her to Belmont. We sent her to Michelle Nevin. We sent her a month early and to run in the test. We thought this is our shot, you know, even if she gets a piece, uh, it's at Saratoga, it's really prestigious, it's a grade one, it increases her residual value, and she had trained well going into the race. In fact, I looked, I think, I have to look for sure, but I think she wasn't too big of a price, maybe 12 to 1, 15 to 1, something like that. But that day was the day, and I've talked about it on this podcast, where it was 1,000 degrees and 2,000 degree humidity, and it had... And it, an hour before the race, I have never seen rain like I saw that day. It, it, it came down worse than cats and dogs. It, was, it poured for like a half hour. And the track was just soup. When she walked into the paddock, she was poor Philly was absolutely drenched, soaking wet. And it wasn't water. She was just so hot. And she didn't run well that day. We tried one more time back east at Pimlico. And then we said, you know what? We're going to give her the rest of the year off. We're going to bring her back to Southern California. We're going to give her back to Phil, let him get her right, and and take our shots. And she has just blossomed as a four-year-old. You mentioned it. We, we tried her on the grass. It got rained out, and then we won the stake. So we were like, okay. But here's another issue that – and owners have to – sometimes you have to think like this. That race was about a month ago. And then the, uh, the next possible spot, realistic dirt spot for her, is the Great Lady M again, which is on July 4th. Mm-hmm. So – There was like, you know, two and a half months in between races and this filly was sharp. So we saw this race, the misdirection. It was on the grass down the hill. And we said, you know what? Let's find out now if she can run on the grass. Because what that does is it just opens up avenues. So I don't know how far she wants to go. But if you can get a mile with her, which is a possibility with her speed, um, there are, you know, grade ones at a mile. There's just not a lot of grade one sprinting on the grass and there's not if you look at the racing calendar in southern california there's no more racing uh, grade ones on the dirt and when you have a filly like this that has won a grade two as a two-year-old she won a grade three 
as a, a three-year-old. She was steaks. Uh, she won a steak as a three-year-old too. And so now you have to start thinking about the future and what it's going to be like when we do go to seller, whether that's this November or next November, and really trying to increase her residual value. People, there are buyers out there that will look at this and say, wow, she ran on dirt. She ran on turf. Mm -hmm. She won graded stakes on both. That's an impressive resume. Um, Billy, do you have partners that ever want to buy your horse out? Like, instead of being like, I don't want to send it to the auction. Can we, you know, can we buy her ourselves? You know, or do you that's, say, no, you I always have to buy them through a sale. Well, you have to, you have to buy it through the sale because that's an inherent conflict. Um, unless the offer is so, you know, gigantic and crazy that we would have mm -hmm. to take it really seriously uh, um our horses we have a liquidation event and that liquidate now the, the the better question is do you have partners that would just want to just keep her as a broodmare well of course there's a, every partnership that ends in that liquidation event whether it's mirth or fault or egg drop or any or secret spice or any of these big mares that we've sold at sales there's always several partners that are like why can't we just keep her why can't we just keep her and breed her and the truth is that we're a racing partnership, not a breeding partnership. And it's very, very uh, difficult for the rest of the partners to say, hey, this is a million dollar filly and you can get, you own 10% and you're about to get a check for $100,000, but we've decided to just keep her and breed her. Right. Like that's, that's not fair. That's not right. That's not what we do. And we've set that as kind of our standard. So to answer your question in a roundabout way, I think um, yes and no. Uh, it would be hard because of the conflict, though. And I think if someone wanted to buy her at a public auction and they went and bought her, by all means. Do you do you enjoy any kind of breeding, or do you just like the racing aspect? I mean, I know you do pin hooking, obviously. I uh, pers this is just personally. Just you personally, yes. Me personally, I have a really hard time with the breeding, uh, just because I have the patience of a gnat. And I, I'd like to, to get a Marin full and then to have the baby and then have the baby grow up. And then you got to get the Marin full again. And then like, to me, it's just a long process. And like, I think at some point in my life, I will probably do it, but I love racing so much. And, and that, I think that's just where my heart goes. And, but trust me, I've been out at Brett Jones's Airdrie farm uh, many times when I was in Kentucky and seeing those little babies is, I, I, I cry every single time. I'm like, Oh my God, look at that. Who's that one? Buy one. Brett, let me buy that one. You know? So, um, I just don't know if I'm personally cut out for the breeding thing, but I have a lot of friends in the breeding business, obviously. And I wouldn't say I would never do it. Uh, or, but you know, if the if the partnership said, hey, you know, we want to start a breeding partnership, I'd have to do it. That's one of the things that I think makes Little Red Feather great, to be honest with you, is that we do do pin hooking. We do do racing. We did stallion shares. We did a broodmare partnership. So, you know, if people are listening to this podcast and say, you know, Billy, you know, we want to go out and we're going to raise X million of dollars and we want to buy four blue hen broodmares and, and start breeding, then I'll do it. Um, so is that generally how you open up new avenues at Little Red Feather? Is it like because someone says, hey, I want to do this? You know, a lot of times, yeah. You know, if and, and we have to, you have to in any business, Michelle, you have to have a a pulse of your people. Right. So, mm -hmm. you know, there's there's a lot of our investors 
partners that are very business savvy, okay? And a lot of those guys saw pin hooking and they were like, wait a second, these people are selling these horses for way more than they bought them for. What are they doing? How are they making money? So there's a, there's a, we have a, a very small crew of guys that literally just do the pin hooking. They don't mm-hmm. do the racing. Um, because if you know anything about the racing, it is very difficult to make money in the racing. Racing is more fun, exciting, thrilling, you know, uh, and, and you can make money. I mean, you can have a horse like Elm Drive or some of the other mares that we've mentioned or a horse like Midnight Storm or Gold Phoenix. And so you can. It's just a lot more difficult, I believe, than if you have really good people on your pin hooking team like Tom McCrocklin and Judy Davies and the Demerics and, uh, you know, we and, and we use uh, our, our consultant like Carrie Brogdon, so who was on our show recently and you saw how smart Carrie was. Um, mm-hmm. So so it really depends on what kind of person you are and how much patience you have. The 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 brute the. Uh, pin hooking you're buying in september right or around any those sales that start in september and you're selling the very next year in march april may june so it's a very quick turnaround if you buy a two-year-old from us who knows that horse might still be running you know at the age of five so it could be a three or four year investment um so there it's it's very different two types of people we have a ton of people that do both believe me uh but uh it's very different did i answer your question Yes, you did okay. a great job. Okay. Very good. All right. Uh, okay, so your final win of the weekend also came at Santa Anita. It was Conclude, coming down the hillside, and he went wicked. Did Have they come back and said those fractions were legitimate? I think so. He went, no way. He went really fast. 42? Yeah, yeah 42 and change. Uh, and uh, the the stretch duel there between uh, Conclude and the the Mark Glatt horse who had beat us last first time, piece. first piece, was a just a real duel. It's funny. Uh, I'll tell you about conclude in a second. But um, we ran into I ran into Mark Glatt at the sale, and he said it was the next day after conclude beat first piece. And I said, "Man, I was rooting for a dead heat." And he looked up and he goes, "No, you weren't." <laughs> <laughs> in typical Mark Glatt style. Uh, but conclude, you know, we we knew the second we got him that this was a really talented horse, uh, and uh, even in his first race at Santa Anita Sprinting, he made the lead and just got caught late, uh, and then second time out, he absolutely rolled and almost set the track record. Got a ninety-five buyer that day. I don't put much into buyers. He ran a six on the third graph that day, and then last time he was a heavy favorite down the hill when you ran Heledick. Um and um, we found out after the race, and I think, you know, we publicized this. Oh, and I think, too, by the way. Yeah, and I, I, I told you, I told even on this pod, I said, you know, he came out of the race and he had these, uh, I think it's called S- SAS levels. Um, mm-hmm. It's a liver enzyme, and he was actually sick. And you know, there's no way to know that before the race. It's not like you're right. running, taking bloods and stuff like that before the race. So he had a legitimate excuse, and the beauty of it was he came back and beat the horse that beat him on the square uh, in a really fast time. Uh, and I'm just so happy because that that partnership has our good friend Brett Jones that I know you love and Saul Cuman is also involved. We, we did a partnership. You talk about different kinds of partnerships. Brett approached us. He had four horses that did not meet their RNAs at the yearling sales that year. And he, he said, this would be a great package. Do you think we could do something? So we took a third, Brett kept a third, and Saul Cuman, uh, Madikit, kept a third. 
Uh, so conclude RNA for 140. What were right. do you do you remember why he didn't bring any bring I, you any know more? What? I, I I I don't know. I want to say his dam won the Preakness. I mean the Preakness. The uh, what you call it? Yeah, uh, won the yes. His dam is uh, believe you can who won the Kentucky Oaks. Mm-hmm. All dirt. He's got all dirt pedigree. He's got long. Past- well, not to be fair, collected was a debut turf winner. No, yeah, and he's by City Zip. So yeah. if you look at Conclude, you know, he and has Proud, actually believe you can is by Proud Citizen, but her her dam, El Fosto, is by El Prado. So you actually have a ton of turf there if yeah. you just look beyond like first instinct. Right. And if you watched him breeze, he has that real turfy kind of high yes, knee action. He and he has long pasterns. And so when Phil D'Amato got him, you know, he's like, I, I, and actually, you know, credit, it was uh, Mary Donald, who is Phil's assistant over at Los Al, and she just said, I think this horse is going to love the turf. I think this horse is going to love the turf. <laughs> After every breeze, like, I think this horse is going to love the turf. So, and, you know, and turf racing, let's be honest, all four of our wins were on turf. Um, we, we make a, a, an effort to purchase horses with some turf influence. We bought uh, an uh, Invincible Army Colt at OBS uh, April. Uh, He's an Irish bred. And so, like, because we know in in Southern California, where we run most of our horses, we don't have to take on Baffert and Sadler and and Mike McCarthy with these very expensive, you know, dirt, you know, triple crown hopeful purchases. So we kind of tend to head over to the grass and let me tell you something in american racing though you look at look at preakness day other than the preakness those big races the nagarox the beer came in those are all on the grass you look mm-hmm. at the american turf on derby day there there are big grass races you and i love talking about the breeders cup turf races um and how many really good horses are on the grass so i think it's there's obviously a, a shift in american racing and it may not be um uh, as uh, lucrative necessarily as the big time, you know, 1.5 and 2.5 million dollar, you know, into mischiefs that that are out there that are that are running in these big races. But winning races is what it's about, Michelle. That's what our partners want to see. And I always tell people when they call me, I say, listen, you have fun. We're gonna run it like a business. We're gonna try to, you know, we're we're fiduciaries to our to these LLCs and to, and to our partners. And we have to do everything we can to try to make money. So even though we say it's hard to make money, we're trying, don't worry. Right. Like we are trying to do the best we can to to make a, to turn a profit with these partnerships. Great. There you go. I like it. I'm tired. Well, like, I, I'm, I know, I'm, I'm all set with your, I, I, uh, with I feel your like we've, I feel like we've talked a lot. I just, you know, final thoughts, listen, uh, we're going to go back to how hard this is. I mean, I there was a summer I reminded Phil after this weekend. It was it might have been 5 or 6 years ago. We went on a 1 for 62 streak. Ugh. And it was legit painful. I mean, there were a lot of seconds in there, thirds in there, but like we just weren't winning races. And it's kind of like when you start winning and you 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 feel it and you feel that you're kind of in this groove, it's all you want to do. And I'm a I'm an uber competitive person. I'm a I'm a, I I I consider myself a good winner and a terrible loser. Even though on the on the surface, like if you win a race and you beat us, I'm legit happy for you. Okay, like there's no question. I am a rooter. So are you. We've talked about this. I don't like haters, and there's a lot of them in this sport. But at the same time, I'm gonna get in my car and slam the steering wheel and like you know not want to talk to anybody on my way home. 
Right. You know what I mean? Like, I, anytime we run, like, someone asked me today, actually, they were like, well, like, your horses are always, like, you know, even money and three to one and six to five. We've talked about this on the show with numerous owners, Michelle. It's really important not only to have good horses. You want to do that. You hope all your horses are good, but they're not all going to be. But to place your yeah. horses in good spots. If you see a little red feather horse and we're 30 to one, then I, I'm doing something wrong, right? Um, right? The last horse I could think about actually was Oakhurst. Remember in the, uh, in the American Oaks last year? Yeah. And you and I both talked. We're like, why is she 30 to one? She ended up ran, running fourth. She got beat fourth. a length. Yeah. And, you know, it's just you want to be in the spots. You want to take advantage of conditions. You want to that that's that's how to try to be successful in this game. And if the horse is not working out, then you need to put it in a position that that they can be successful. So May Siegel, one of my oldest buddies, God rest his soul. Um, he said to me over and over again, he goes, it doesn't matter how much you pay for the horse. Once it's the horse, is, worth. no, once the horse is in that stall and they haven't run, they're worth nothing. Right. Until they prove themselves. Yeah. And, and that's true. So you could go out, you and I could have gone to Timonium and bought a hundred thousand dollar horse and we could have given that horse to Ryan and Ryan could have trained that horse and got him ready for Del Mar and worked him with a couple other horses and Ryan I, you know, I don't know what type he is. I don't have horses with you guys, but he might come and say, "Listen, this horse is a maiden twenty. Yep. And if he's a maiden twenty, you got to run him for maiden twenty because yep. your trainer knows. Your trainer, you know, that means that hey, you know, I'm sorry that you paid a hundred. I know you had high hopes for this horse, but you got to run him where they belong, or else you're just gonna get your head kicked in. And it's not yep. fun. Losing sucks. Ain't that the truth? That's how I'll. That's how I will end this Billy Soapbox rant. All right, let's look ahead to uh, this upcoming weekend at Santa Anita because our meet is slowly winding down. We're in our last month of racing, and we do have a holiday weekend coming up. So Friday, we have live racing. Obviously, it's free admission and general parking. We're also giving away a Santa Anita folding chair throughout the weekend. On Saturday, we have the Triple Bend Stakes and the Daytona Stakes. So both of those sprinters, one dirt, one turf. We're also having the California beer festival track side should i bring should i bring beer can man yes you should bring beer can (laughs) um we're also having the santa anita memorial weekend carnival on the inside and it is the cornhole derby wow i don't know if you play cornhole or not i play cornhole okay you know know who's you you know who's good at cornhole i am not good at cornhole though you you know who's good Uh, who chio is he really actually he looks at the type i would say yeah um (laughs) Also, if you are local to the Great Race Place and you're looking for a good way to make an impact on Saturday, we are having the Folds of Honor um, poker tournament that we have every year. Yes. So highly recommend looking into that. If you can play, it is on track. And if you can't, maybe you can make a donation anyways. We're also going to have a guaranteed pick six jackpot on Saturday as well as the tram tours. Now flip the page into Sunday. It is going to be Calred Day, and we're going to have the Snow Cheap, the Malaire, the Thor's Echo, the Crystal Water, and the Franz Valentine, all for Calbreds. Wow. Again, the beer festival is going on, and here's the fun part that everyone wants to know about. It is the SoCal Corgi Nationals. Oh, you love that. Everyone loves that. We yeah. have like 
10,000 people that show up for the Corgi Nationals. We're also going to be doing the jackpot guarantee on Sunday as well. And then, of course, we're going to have live racing on Monday, the 29th. That is Memorial Day. So Memorial Day means it's dollar day. So yes. we're going to have um, the $2 hot dogs and the dollar beers. We have the grade one shoemaker mile, the grade one Hollywood Gold Cup, and the grade one gamely. So a really big stakes day as well. Yeah, three um, grade ones. You know, who, who do you like in the shoemaker? On. The what? Who do you like in the shoemaker? Uh, who do you have running? Valnikov? And gold. And GFP? Effing. Phoenix. Oh, interesting. Against Hong Kong Harry, Exalted, Cabo Spirit, Dujour, uh, Iridio. Oh, it's uh, going to be a fun fun race. It's going to be a really good race. Really good race. Um, so we also have a pick six mandatory payout that day. And then the Folds of Honor poker tournament is actually that night. Okay, it's Monday night. It's Monday night. Okay. Yes, sorry. You okay. can start buying the packages on Saturday, but it's actually Monday night. All right. Michelle, uh, great job today. Thank you for your interview skills. I really appreciate it. I hope I didn't go on too long with my uh, with my phlegmy voice, but uh, I want to tell you I had such a good time with you at Preakness, and let's do it again next year. Perfect. Sounds like fun. Thank you to all of our sponsors. We really appreciate it. Uh, Billy, Billy, what am I? BKLRF on Twitter. Michelle is the Michelle U. Uh, our show is at Own a Horse. Uh, if you have any questions about ownership or thinking about getting involved, please shoot me an email. It's Billy at LittleRedFeather.com. Or just reach out if you like the show or if you have some ideas. We're going to try to get Tom Durkin and we're going to try to get Tom Lute in the next couple of weeks. And uh, we're part of the In the Money Media Network, and we like doing the show. Michelle, you're the best. Goodbye. Thanks, Lee. Bye. Bye.